Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where, guys, the bomb did not go off. Everybody is fine. Who? You. Oh, man, who put that there? Who did put that there? Who would put that there? That is a good first question, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. Eric, what what the fuck? Well, you know who put it there? It was, in fact, John Paul through the machinations of everything that had happened and the the help that he had gotten along the way. It was real in some ways. I think it looked, the way that I wanted to describe it was like, it was incredibly janky bomb where it's like, you know, this is not a doomsday device. This is like someone put a bunch of explosive materials together and put a timer on it and then put it on a boat that was funded by podcast money. So uh... that was the best joke of that entire episode. (laughs) Yeah, listening back, I did not get that you said RSS the first time because we say RSS every fucking day. <laughs> I know. Do. Naming your boat the RSS is very funny. If you're <laughs> if you are big into podcasts and you got rich because you sold your very popular podcast cr- True Crime School for <laughs> <laughs> I like that. For $70 million. Let me take a quick Google, make sure that's not a real one. It already. might be. It it's honestly spelled with a K, so it's like super mm. cool. Or like zeros, like a bad password. Skewl, S-K-0-0-0-0-L. Okay, good news. Nothing came up when I typed in True Crime School Podcast, so we're good. Mm. Yay! Extraordinary. Love it. Perfect, perfect. Excellent. And now it's ours, and we're going to send it, sell it for $70 million. Woo! Well, we got some great questions all about these two episodes, plus just more developments in the JTP-verse, our merch, our, uh, our <laughs> punch bowl, the one shot that Eric ran on the Three Black Halflings feed. We'll get there. But first, players, how how did we feel about these two episodes, about the fire, about this combat? It's been an action-packed two episodes. I don't know about you two, but I had a lot of conflict, I feel like, in these last two episodes that might not have been expressed fully on mic, but... Yeah, I just like was in my own head a lot in these last couple episodes, and I don't know why. Say more on that. (laughs) Like, so for instance, with the fire burning John Paul's apartment down, (laughs) we talked about that for a good ten minutes. Conflicted about that. Yeah, there was a moment where we were going to flood the apartment, and I think I remember specifically saying. You know, Julia, if you want to make a statement, I don't think flooding the apartment's going to do it. Nope. <laughs> I also had big conflict. And we had like a big gap between finishing episode 29 and then going into episode 30. And you left it at the cliffhanger with the bomb. And I had like convinced myself. I'm like, John Paul's going to get away because we're going to go after this bomb threat. And the bomb threat's not even going to be real. And I was really like frustrated with myself over a thing that hadn't even happened yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there was a lot of thought that the bomb wasn't real. I was I I think that's why they only you guys only sent two of you. Mm-hmm. Was because there was like you guys were like 60% the bomb was fake. And maybe it was because I said it was a bomb threat, but like I guess that's what you call something whether you don't know if the bomb <laughs> exists or not. Yeah. I mean, I was like when you when you have a bomb threat, you have to respond to it just regardless. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, this is like going to be a teddy bear wrapped in a big metal box with a timer on it. <laughs> yeah, there's emergency services. They have it covered. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that the natural solution is split the party, figure out what to do. But it really took us a, a little while of circular logic to kind of arrive back at that conclusion. Mm-hmm. On the plus side, I did have the coolest moment I think Val has had in the game so far. Oh, Destroying that bomb. So... That was pretty cool. I want to say that was incredibly difficult. The things that you two did together and then the roles that Julia had made this seem a lot easier (laughs) than it should have been. 
Yeah. Which was like, one, clear everyone out. Two, is there a bomb? Three, where is the bomb? Four, get rid of the bomb. And then five, which you added on, was destroy the bomb. And like all of those things happen in succession. I would planned for this. This was going to be more of a skill challenge where like you two are going to act. There's going to be another like the environment responded. You two acted. There was an environment responded. You two reacted. But immediately what happened was like boom, shape water to Val does jump. And I'm like, oh, well, you guys found the thing. I can't do it. And then I needed to give it at least like two rounds for it to explode so like y'all were already there i couldn't have even done anything the bomb was going to explode the bridge was going to fall it was going to be are you going to save the people in the water are you going to get in front of the falling debris there was a lot happened and you got and you took care of it immediately especially using the mushrooms which we'll talk about in a second but like i want to say this was the the only thing that i had really planned (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> had been dismantled immediately through very good use. I mean, it's my fault that I gave you the unglasses. That one's on me. <laughs> That's what I asked for specifically. I was like, my investigation sucks. My perception sucks. Please yeah. give me something mm-hmm. where I'm not so bad at these things. <laughs> I mean, we're just, we're the best superheroes, Eric. I don't know what to tell you. We are. We are super, you know? That- you even got there before the other superheroes ran it. Because I think what I was trying to do is like they're setting up a perimeter. The Night of Mirrors just showed up. The country keepers are trying to get people out of the lake, which is the whole thing. And then Val fucking barreled into danger, which I was like, all right, good. Great. <laughs> have, have fun with that. That's what they do. My favorite part of that was when Val fell into the water and then everyone converged upon them. (laughs) It was great. Uh, We do have one question that I would love to ask now, Eric. How would Sour Anthony have saved Val Mm. (laughs) if he reached them first? I mean, it was exactly what it was. It was Sour Anthony flies taxonomy over, throws like an aquatic creature in there to grab the person and then floats up to the top and then Sour Anthony comes back in while they turn into like an octopus to like taxonomy turns into an octopus just around the person like i had this mapped out like it was a fucking playbook like i'm like that's exactly what they would do yeah um so no what happened happened it's just that val uh let me check my notes here punched a swordfish in the face instead as i said i would rather drown than allow the upcountry keepers to save me (laughs) Mm-hmm. Those I think were that was my favorite kind of one two punch of a line in this episode was Eric saying, Hold on, let me look up the speed of a swordfish. And then uh Julian saying, I thought it was a shark, so I punched it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I'm also surprised here we didn't we we didn't talk about this really at all, but the effect of the one up mushrooms, we did say there was a thing that happens to you. We didn't say what it was, but it probably had effects draining your body. You roll the D eight. And then you fell in the water. And I was like, you got saved very quickly. You were around a bunch of superheroes. You rolled the con save and you woke back up in the water. And I'm like, this would have been so much worse in any other situation other than this one right here. Especially the thing that you you rolled, which was faint. And even if even though you were falling in the water. Like, there is not a better time than literally emergency services and lifeguards around <laughs> you to come get you. So, like, even though Milo, even though Milo uh, rolled, like, a fair dex check, it was just to, one, see you, which was pretty simple, which you probably would have already done, and then, two, beat the other superheroes to grabbing you, which, relatively low stakes, but I was just thinking, I was like, you're so lucky that this happened. This was the perfect situation to keep yourself safe here. Could have been a lot worse. Absolutely. During the game, you did a back-to-back for my spiritual surge roll straight into the like consequences for Val. 
And I, during the game at that moment, I was like, oh shit, did I just kill Val? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you did another one of those spiritual surges where it like sucked energy out of the people around you or something like that. And I was like, ah, fuck. (laughs) No, you just just did a hard restart. They weren't involved. It was from the mushroom. Okay. No, I I did appreciate, I I thought tying to that, it's funny that Milo and Brandon are so similar. (laughs) (laughs) They both are not sure what's happening. (laughs) But Milo is in the actual thing and Brandon has listened to it three times and they're both not exactly sure what's happening. Well, I do think this is a great place uh, to visit the Clarification Corner, which is a new (laughs) corner uh, that we have for this after party because so much happened. Okay. Where was Tegan at the bridge? Chaotic Tree Sap would like to know. Tegan was there. Tegan was with the rest of the reporters. However, because Aggie wasn't there, because Preserver wasn't there, I didn't point it out specifically. Also, they wouldn't have necessarily known that Tegan had said anything to be there. So I Tegan was there. I just didn't illustrate it. Tegan's not like, hey, my crush is friends. What's happening, dudes? <laughs> I don't know We're why not. not. We would be best of friends. <laughs> We'd be into it. We're not there yet. Uh, but Michelle Spurgeon would love to know, was Volcani Weekend, because of Kilonova sucking their life force again, but yeah. it was instead the mushrooms? It was the mushrooms, yes. Mushroom. And was that D8 like an event table, or was it like some kind of save? It was a event table, yes. Gotcha. Nice. Because yes. a one out of eight could still just be like the worst outcome. Yeah. Seven other you, outcomes. You did roll one. So who is that the best outcome or the worst outcome? <laughs> who can, can say? say? I am reassured that my spiritual search table does have just flat out good things on it now, though. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know for a fact that's not true. Don't lie to the people. <laughs> the spiritual surge maintains a like forty percent bad, fifteen percent neutral, and thirty five percent good at all times. Mm-hmm. You say that, but I can't see the table. So that's true. You're, that's true. <laughs> that's hundred percent true. Is the Knight of Mirrors motorcycle amphibious? Michelle would also like to know. The question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon, to be clear. Uh, we did establish that the Knight of Mirrors, and because of uh, Zoe's incredible art in the Hello Lake Town City World book, that the tires are quite thick so that they can stand up freestanding. So that does make it even easier to skip along the water. In my head, they just they just maintained momentum and they were skipping along the water. So like if the Knight of Mirrors had saved you, they would have stuck an arm out for you to grab like uh, Michelle Rodriguez to Paul Walker in Fast and Furious, uh, the one with uh, Jason Statham in it. Uh, the first Obviously. one with Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, it would have been like that. And more importantly, we're going to spend the next arc just investigating the night of mirrors to understand their biology that i would want be... to know so bad yeah yeah what else can that make the motorcycle do great question <laughs> <laughs> who can say i can so that's why i said great question <laughs> noel k in discord would like to know how did john paul get the bomb to the bridge so quickly in the morning did he already have it set up or did he mm. call in the threat then go set it up then drive to the exhibit and meet aggie that is what I would like to know as player. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that we've revealed this in the end of episode 30, that Level Up was working with Gutenberg the entire time. John Paul has done a lot of loops. There are a certain number of loops even can't be specific because it might come up specifically, but like John Paul has done this even before y'all got in- involved. So like John Paul knew that there was a bomb on this boat this entire time. Wait, that was someone else's bomb? It was so no, it was his bomb, someone else's boat. On April 30th, John Paul to set everything up, 
put a lot of shit, did ah, a lot of shit to prepare, right? All those options. One is specifically was put this bomb in the RSS second chances. <laughs> and uh, I guess the, he had scoped it out to know that this person doesn't show up, that they weren't going to show up, blah, blah, blah. So that's what it was. He called it in, drove down to the lake, pushed the boat into the water, and then got on the highway and came back to the gallery, which is okay. why Preserver was able to stop the truck because he was coming in off the highway, which is what I wanted to be clear from what the uh, projector said. So he might, he called, you're right, he called it in immediately, but he's like, all right, I know for a fact because he's done this multiple times, I know I have 15 minutes, let's say, until people start showing up. I can call this in, take the 15 minutes, push the boat in there, get the fuck out of there, and then that's what happened. Because remember, you guys didn't get, you guys didn't hear about it in, in, except from the news. So like that does take a little while. Like he called it into, I don't know, the lifeguard or the water patrol. Coast Guard. The, the Coast Guard, right, on Lake Champlain. So uh, I think that, that would have taken a little bit of time. But that's what I was thinking. Gotcha. It's such a bold move to like if if for whatever reason this was the last loop that just had continued on, like a guy in all black trench coat pushing a boat into a water where there's almost definitely a security camera capturing him. Is a is a move, Brennan. He was thinking with his heart, not his brain. <laughs> at at this point, if he had done it enough times, he would have taken all that doubt. Like he would have known. That's Remember, true. John That's Paul's true. main main power, as you guys have literally now that you've met him, and your preserver has botched it, botched his plan, was that he's just a dude who can repeat this multiple times. So like, yeah, he ran down there, he bought spray paint, sprayed out all the cameras, knew when the guard was going to walk by or not, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then was able to do that without being seen. So he got that down to like 12 minutes. Impressive. Man, this yeah. guy can can do a heist, but he can't even talk to a girl. Like, <laughs> Can't save his relationship, nor should yeah. he, it sucks. <laughs> I must say, I've been playing enough Stardew Valley that in Stardew Valley, if you kind of botch something or like realize something is wrong or like miss a deadline or something, you can just kind of like exit the game and restart and it force resets you to that morning. And I many times in my life over the last couple of months have been like force reset, force reset, fuck, force reset when I like drop a glass or, <laughs> or like miss a meeting, like fuck, let's just go back and do it again. Can't do that in real life, huh? Yeah. Well. He, he saves scumming to, to make sure that he has, does the perfect run. 100%. Let's get into some gaming character questions. Mel118 on Insta. Can someone explain how people get into the loop? Is it by knowing about it? Proximity to the black coat guy when he resets? What is it? It's proximity to the black coat guy when he resets, right? Because yes. Yes. And that's why Milo and Val were in the first loop and Aggie was not. And once you're in the loop, you stay in the loop. So even though when I smashed the N64, Kilanova and Vulcani were far away, we're all still in the loop. So they got brought back as well. Exactly. It's not specifically to John Paul, but to the no, N64. No, to the device. To the device like when it's resetting. Anyone could reset it on in theory. Yes. Yes. That big thing. You guys haven't done that, which which another thing I think is I would love to talk about like your all choices here, because what I want to say is, this... Eric, you sound very much like a parent who's like, I'm I know. not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed. No, I'm the opposite. This is more like this is the exact opposite. This is like, I, look, look at what had happened without my I didn't do this. The other mm -hmm. children have done it for themselves. OK, <laughs> look what they've made. Unpack our fort for us. Yeah, so I would say these two episodes were the least planned of this entire arc 
because I did a lot of planning in episode one and episode two to make sure that everything fit here. But then after that, I kind of like threw my hands up in the air and said, all right, let's see what happens. Because the only thing that I quote unquote did to you in the in this episode, <laughs> I the thing that like was not. Well, even this was predicated on on cause and effect. But the only thing I did to you necessarily was set the bomb in motion and then I just knew what was going to happen when everything when everything happened. I really, really I would just say the thing that I did to you was the bomb. So um, I can also tell you right now what the plan was. Like specifically, I have this written down in bullets. All right, do it up. So level up's plan was step negative one: distract with the bridge that he bought, got the bomb from Gutenberg. If that was actually something that needed to happen. The step one was cue the protests to go badly by inciting the police and the terrible counter protesters to jump on the Thornhill uh, protest. Hey, hate unions. Come on over here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, police, you guys are super aggressive. Go over here and do bad <laughs> things. Right. Step two was then go to the museum and sneak in when there are it is either full of people or totally cleared out, depending on uh, what the effect is there. That one's not that specific. His plan originally was to go in in the beginning, which is why he went in at 1130, which is when you guys ran into him in the first place. But that could have happened either uh, as a VIP or during regular hours. Next step, step three, was use the projector to figure out the exact time to short stocks. <laughs> And then four was disappear, and this is not going to reset if it goes well and he has all the cash. And then he ends up doing the thing that he wanted to do to save his relationship. We never would have known. Yeah. Never would have known. So I guess I would. what I want to know is, like, what did you guys think about what was happening here? Did you feel very much? I feel like my hands were thrown up in the air. I, I guess I want to know, especially from Amanda, like... Was this the way that you thought you were going to confront John Paul and all of these things? Like, I'm I'm very interested in this. Yeah, I definitely knew that I wanted to talk to him, A, because that is my core competency and my power as Aggie is healing, you know, and trying to kind of preemptively heal situations before they get bad. So I figured if, if he needed something, like, let's talk about it, you know, like, we know Dr. Miramaro, we know what's happening in the city. If he has a problem, like, you know, that's something that I, I am trying to ask uh, in, in 2021 differently to before is like, hey, generally, you know, crime is the result of an, an unmet need. And, you know, that is probably a symptom of somebody needing help. And so how can I offer help instead of focusing on sort of breaking laws that may or may not be just? So I did not expect to destroy the N64. It's more <laughs> like I was thinking about if we can't come to a, con like, how, how is this going to stop? Are we going to die in this loop? Like, if he doesn't get what he needs, if it's something bad that he's going for, then something bad's going to happen if he gets what he needs. If he doesn't talk to me and tell me what he needs and just resets the loop, like, that doesn't help me. That doesn't, you know, set us forward. That doesn't give us more information than we had before. So as I saw him kind of shutting down Aggie's attempts to kind of counsel peace and like, you know, get him vulnerable. I was like, fuck it. If I break the N64, then maybe that means that time can't loop and this will be the end of May 1st. And then we'll, tomorrow will be May 2nd. Mm, it's, not what, it's not what happened. No, it, it, it is not what happened. Can we talk about the one, two punch combo? Yes. Yes, oh please. My God. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, monks, baby. <laughs> well, it's you hit both times, and then I forget who reminded you that you had the combo gloves, but someone reminded you. It was you. 
Was it me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I I did not know just as a D and D player that you get additional damage if you crit on a on a um, you get double a roll damage, to hit. Yeah. So that I know Eric reminded me of in the game because I didn't know about it. So that was good. But yeah, using those combo gloves, which I you know I was like, oh, sick. This will be nice in combat. You know, a bit. But then realizing <laughs> that like being able to move him or to move the object was like a really useful kind of additional effect in my goals here. This was my fault. I added for flavor that he had the N64 on him like a baby Bjorn. Yeah. Like that was not written into my notes. And yeah. I'm like, you know what would be funny is if it was odd, if he had it as a baby Bjorn. That would be really funny. And then you punished me <laughs> deeply. You should not give us anything we want, Eric. No. I, it was, it was, I wanted that. I, it's not even about you guys. I wanted him to wear like a baby, baby Bjorn. I and mean, then you fucking smashed it. I mean, I also punished myself in that now the loop resets at midnight, and that sucks. So why don't you tell us about that, please? We had a question here from Bray. Do the characters in the loop feel rested after each loop? Sure don't. We mentally do feel like we've been up for whatever amount of time has passed in the loop, and, and that sucks. But if I hadn't broke the N64, what would have happened? Would the loop just have kept going at 9 a.m.? Yeah, I think it would have kept going. I was I thought that there was going to be a point, especially now, where you knew where his apartment was that you guys were going to try to sneak in and steal the n64 and then that was how it was going to well, how it was going to go logical down. well because then you would have happened and then you could have reset it whenever you wanted and maybe we could have figured it out i don't i don't even know i don't even want to say is like if you had hacked it or you'd plugged it in you would maybe you could have changed the time because i i like the idea that n64 has an internal clock so when it breaks that's why it reset to midnight you know the regular when thing when things are unplugged the the t blinking 12 o'clock i feel like i was worried that there was going to be kind of oh this gets to midnight or whatever and we reset it and then he gets the n64 back you know yeah so like all of the yeah. hard work of getting the n64 and having it in our possession would just be reset if we tried to reset the, the n64 for sure i, I also think like it, okay, if I'm John Paul and I have a machine that resets time and it's my only safety button, I'm not going to leave that thing in my apartment. It's going to be on me at all times. Yeah. <laughs> I, but remember, first of all, I agree with you. But then it would have been like, I sneak in at, we run over there, it's 9-10, he's not prepared. Like, again, this is a game of cat and mouse, and then you guys become the cat. <laughs> yeah. And now he's a mouse. Or you're a bigger cat who eats the cat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it becomes you're flipping the dynamics on him, which is what I was thinking of. Like, yeah, but again, he's just a dude. And if he wasn't prepared, I feel like a man with ghost powers <laughs> would have been able to go in there, go invisible, as you've done a few times, or, or, or stealth, or stealth in, and maybe grab it. I don't, I mean, yes, I hear you. But I also think that, like, once John Paul realizes that we know the game, then, like, he would never be not prepared at that point. Like, he's always going to be one step ahead of us since he's controls time yeah that's that's why it was important to me to to talk to him rather than try to steal the device first because even if we manage to capture it and then either stop resetting or sure. reset on our own um kind of terms like we'd still have to ca i don't want to have to fucking catch this guy twice like i, I want right. to catch him once ask money to ask him um and i uh, eric were you planning on kind of revealing that information or was it truly kind of determined by the roles i did not know i was going to reveal this information again i didn't need you guys to steal it i just thought you would steal it like, sure. i was like that's a yeah. possibility definitely like again this was the only stuff that i really had written i really had written out and then i did have a scenario if john paul did get what he wanted if you guys were going to try to finish the 
this one out, I did have his ultimate scenario, which was take the money he got, go to a car auction, and spend a bunch of money on the cars. Uh-huh. I had this written out. There is a car auction happening in Weston where, <laughs> where he is trying to get his girlfriend back who is moving to Weston because she obviously needs a more expensive type of life. And then he was going to jump into a Hummer and you would have to destroy the Hummer to get to him. And it would have had, it had so much HP and so much of a damage threshold. It would have been such like a beat em up. And I want it while he was like cowering in the Hummer. I have a question. Yeah. Was the Hummer the car that he got at the car auction? No, no, no. The car that he wanted to get okay. out at a car auction was like a muscle car. It was like a Camaro. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was like a, like a red sports car. I was going to be very concerned that he was going to a car auction to buy a Hummer. No, but there were there was like a H1 Hummer, the okay. one that looks the most like an army vehicle mm-hmm. that he would have jumped in that would have had incredibly high HP, H- AC, and uh, damage threshold, which would have been like, I was like, hey, welcome to AD&D, fucking two damage to this thing, idiots. So that's not what happened, but I really, I was secretly hoping that this would happen, but I, I, I feel like you guys kind of figured out the game a little fast, so I didn't get to reveal that. And also, also, you broke the N64 halfway through, and I'm like, well, I guess I need to do this part now. <laughs> and like, th- which totally, that was such like an end of episode thing that happened in the middle of the it episode. It did, yeah. I-, I felt bad about that at the time. But I do think we had a really successful kind of back half of the episode because we got yeah. everybody in the same place, and we get to start actually hashing stuff out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I was not, I, uh, again, I was not prepared to tell you guys his entire plan and to reveal it was Gutenberg just yet. So the fact that you were on top of this, while the, the, the midnight reveal was really fun because then it's like you guys have 24 hours now instead of like 9 a.m. to when John Paul resets it, which I feel like messes with the time expectancy. Like you guys are like, all right, let's take our time. Let's talk about this. Let's go to sleep at two, <laughs> like at two a.m. and then like we'll all be okay in the morning. And I think that kind of like it, it loosens the bonds of the time loop. However, you still know that ultimately, in like the Groundhog's Day of it all, you're still kind of trapped in the mm-hmm. time loop. Well, lots more to discuss, but before we uh, loop back again, I'm gonna have to grab some supplies in the kitchen. I'll be right back, guys. Like a parachute? <laughs> no, like cheetahs. <laughs> A parachute of Cheetos. Cheez-Its, Cheez-Its. Cheeto, well, Cheetos you can light on fire uh, in, in an emergency, so that's probably for, probably for the best. It's good to know. Hey, it's Eric. I'm wearing shorts today. My knees are out, everyone can see my calves, and that makes me feel pretty good. I'm going to try to embrace the hot and wear some nice things. And I think maybe if you want to, if that's something you want to do, you should wear shorts too. So that everyone can see your knees. Welcome to the mid-roll. It, they're all like, it's all defined. Like, look, look at the way my leg goes. It's pretty cool. First of all, welcome to everyone who joined our Patreon last week. Shout out to Leanna, SC Jackson, and Hut. We are so grateful to everyone who makes it a priority every single month to support creators. And we're extra happy when you support us, who are also creators. We cannot make this show without you, so thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to be a part of the Patreon family, we are always looking for more people to come on in. You get our Discord, NPC stories, including all the playlists that have made for a lot of NPCs in Lake Town City, and all the stuff that's been there for four years of Patreon. So, if you're able, please, please, please join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. 
Hey, did you know we got new merch? We have a brand new world book for Lake Town City called Hello, Lake Town City. If you want to play your tabletop game within the world of Campaign 2 or just read some brand new world building, I put together the definitive guide to LTC for any and all tabletop RPG systems. That means you want to play D&D, I got you. You want to play this in masks, I got you. You want to play this on kids on bikes, I got you. Anything that you want to use this for, this is just a world book and you can slot your mechanics right in there. Ooh, Beam Saber, that could be fun. Like Super Howard, Beam Saber, sci-fi goodness, that could be neat. And there's art in there that you cannot find anywhere else for the neighborhoods and a bunch of NPCs who you love. And, special announcement, the Chad Dice are still in stock. We just refreshed them, we ordered more than we did the first round, but already they're flying off those shelves. You gotta buy them right now, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be like, buy it now, right now, but you need to get them. They're flying off the shelves. Go to jointhepartypod.com slash merch and pick all that up. This after party is sponsored by Inked Gaming. Welcome back, Inked Gaming. Whether you're looking to start or upgrade your gaming gear, you're going to need to check out Inked Gaming. Their extensive collection of gaming goods are made by gamers for gamers. And I mean that like in a nice way, not like gamers rise up like hey gamers you're gonna need this stuff like play mats dice dice bags mats and much much more they even have products where you can customize it so you can put your name on your biz which is lovely match your look to your campaign and your name and part of their sponsorship of this episode team inked has given us a special 10 percent off discount that we're passing along to you go to their site inked gaming.com slash join the party pick out some stuff you love and use the code join the party at checkout to receive 10% off your order thank you inked gaming we're also sponsored by orphan black starring emmy award-winning actress tatiana maslani realm presents the official continuation of the hit tv series in the world and in my house orphan black it's been eight years since Project Lita was destroyed for good, but not all as well. When a dangerous genetic technology is stolen and an unknown clone appears, Kasima and the other clones are forced to struggle for survival. Tatiana Maslani, star of the show, voices all eight clones. Bang! Doing it right. The originals you know and love, plus some new faces, in case this incredible actress needed to stretch a little bit more. The season finale of this podcast series is coming up on June 11th, so catch up right now. Orphan Black, colon, the next chapter, available wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service. Because I put the Bone Witch in the most recent live show, it's not really a spoiler, it's just something for you guys to enjoy. She has allowed me to read this ad the way it should be read the entire time. So we're at a nice detente. I'm not going to get turned into bones. She's not going to steal my bones. I'm not going to become a frog. We're going to be okay for now. Looking around. She's not here. Okay. BetterHelp is a secure online counseling service that connects you with licensed counselors through their secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. You can also message your counselor in between sessions if you're worried about something or you think of a topic you want to cover in your next call. And the best part, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional counseling with financial aid also available. Hey, hey kids, we've had a lot of fun here today with BetterHelp. But BetterHelp is actually an incredible product. I know a lot of people who use it and the accessibility to get therapists easily and for a rather low price because you know how expensive 
all healthcare can be, especially mental health care. I'm very happy that I get to do ads for BetterHelp as frequently as I do. Once more, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and join the party listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That is betterhelp.com slash join the party for 10% off your first month. And now, back to the after party. Inspired by an upcoming Spirits urban legend, I have brought back some Cheez-Its. Um, and if you don't listen to Spirits Urban Legends episode, listen to June, baby. It is good stuff. Are they haunted cheese crackers? They well, sure are, Brandon. <laughs> we know they are gluten-free. <laughs> You'll see. Just like Oreos are non-dairy. That's pretty funny. It's weird. They're, they're weird. not, by the way, gluten-free. In, in the story. Cheez-Its are not gluten-free. Cheez-Its are not gluten-free. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oreos are non-dairy, though. Haunted Cheez-Its, gluten-free. Oh, Regular exactly. Cheez-Its, not gluten-free. The ghost, the ghost takes the gluten out of them? That's how it works. That's how oh, all wow. gluten-free products work. They pass it to a ghost, and the ghost is like, the gluten's gone. Aaron, yeah. You know how like a, a rabbi has to bless the kosher food? It's the same thing with gluten-free, but with ghosts. Oh, you have to exercise the gluten out yes. of the ghost? Yes. It's like yes. the soul yes. of, the, of the wheat is still there? Yeah, yes. I get it. Well, a ton has been going on in the JTP cinematic universe, and I would love <laughs> to talk about some of them. Obviously, Chad Dice, spicy as ever, and back at it again. We have ordered fully double the amount of Chad Dice that we had last time, and they are back. I feel like our Chad Dice have done us very well in this episode in particular. We had some crucial roles, and, and Chad is to thank. Spicy Chad. The blessed Saint Chad sends his blessings upon us. Patron saint of 20s. <laughs> Ghost Chad eats gluten. And DM plans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just thinking for a second, I'm like, is there a gelatinous ooze, which is a saint of Catholicism? Because that feels fine. <laughs> that feels like something that would happen. That yeah. feels like a kind of angel. Like in, in the hierarchy of angels, there's one that's ooze. The ooze angel. <laughs> <laughs> if it can be a wheel of eyes, there can also be a gelatinous cube. Exactly. <laughs> I, li- I do like Saint Chad, too. Saint Chad, the there, there Saint may Chad, well be a patron Saint, Chad. Saint of Crits. Well, we also learned a bunch more about our world in the Join the Party World Book. So let's hear a little bit about how this came together. And players, I'd love to know what you read about in the World Book that you most want to see in canon. A World Book is something I'm very excited about that we've done enough episodes and the world building episodes we did even before we started playing Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like there was a lot that I wanted to write down. Lake Town City really is a city in so many ways. There are neighborhoods and stores and households and communities that we haven't really touched on yet because, you know, the, the story that you guys have doing like hasn't been there yet but what like i've said the entire time is that this game is very much about the things that the three of your characters have seen and not about the life that's happening in lake town city whether or not we're talking about villains or other superheroes or just the people who live there i think this was such a fun project and coming up with things to fill in like the people and the places that we haven't touched on has been so so much fun and also zoe our illustrator is so incredibly talented and seeing that stuff rendered in illustrations is was fucking incredible so he's great so what would we most like to see in canon guys so eric wrote a plot hook that involved the sommelier and also a roller derby league and i i need it in my life 
so badly. Can Val join the roller derby league, please and thank you? <laughs> what would your name be? You, ha- you have to tell us or none, none shall pass. Ooh, oh no, I'm not good at coming up with roller derby names. Hold on. I feel like it would be like a play on an 80s band. Mm. First one that came to mind was Flaming Lips. That's good. <laughs> but I don't know how to make that into a better roller derby name than it already is. See, mine was Fettuccine Afredo, and that's, <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a spirits pun. I was going to say Raked Ziti. Ew, that's <laughs> also very good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, no, that was a fun one because we had talked about the roller derby happening at Astros a little bit, but we hadn't really touched on it all that much. And I'm like, you know, if someone's going to come up with the how to do roller derby Dungeons and Dragons or whatever game system you're doing, God willing, here. <laughs> to it figure it out there is very much like a like a birds of prey harley quinn vibe to this one as well where like hey we're gonna do this with our powers and the only person who could tell them that you can't do this here is some more people with powers so that's very much uh what i wanted to do also the sommelier with their ability to just create things like knowing that they can just like create a sword and and stab you while you're playing roller derby is uh, very dangerous. <laughs> Brandon, how about you? You had a, a touching tribute to Douglas Adams in uh, in your character <laughs> quote. <laughs> I mean, I'm always a sucker for the VR room turns out to be real thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Videodrome. Shout out to... Uh, what was the name of that bar? It was in Williamsburg. It shut down recently. It's videology. Videology, yes. It, it, is, it is exactly like Videodrome, uh, which I based it on. Yeah, those are always fun. I like those. I wanna, I wanna fight real virtual reality monsters. That would be amazing. And I was so uh, tickled to find that there is a water dragon in the Lake Town City Chinatown. I'm so yes. glad you mentioned it because that was going to be my second choice. <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we met the Golem Box, of course, which is the defender of the Jewish neighborhood in the train district and yes. the train station district. And I feel like we gotta interact even more with the water dragon of Chinatown. I need it. Yeah, the Golem box, those two I was really happy about. Uh, I felt like being in a city that burst in 1985, that exploded in 1985 and from there, like there was a lot of how I feel in New York City, how things are very like evenly distributed. There aren't necessarily like ethnic enclaves as much as they are in other places where it's like, this is where, uh, even, I mean, let's even talk about it as food is like, this is where you get the Chinese food. This is where you get the Filipino food. This is where this type of food is and it's kind of a little more distributed. But I figure that there were some uh, specific ones that I wanted to talk about. There was like a religious Jewish uh, community community around the train station district what I thought it was interesting because of the people who, who might have come from New York City and then settled in that area. I thought that, that was kind of interesting. And then the the golem box falling off a truck and ending up in one of those synagogues. I had I just had to do it after bringing in the golem box from before. But I really <laughs> wanted there to be a, another uh, community that had grown up in the company tin area because I thought that that area was so interesting because yes they have cheap rents and that's where Milo lives but also like you know if a lot of people bought houses all at the same time when the companies supposedly were supposed to build housing so that people would take these jobs in the industry park like there's there is such an opportunity there for people to go so I thought that like a lot a uh, a lot of um, people who are literally Chinese immigrants or Chinese Americans would have created a Chinatown in that area. And I'd been able to work with our good friend, Andrea Lamb 
to put that area together. And we talked about dragons. We had talked about that plot hook about someone trying to like tear down these buildings and put up new buildings. And uh, I, I wanted there to be a defender. And she's like, oh, well, there should be like a, a Chinese dragon there. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, this is a, it's literally on a lake, like 100% water dragon. Um, so now that's that's like giving a little bit more depth to that uh, area. I'm very stoked on. My favorite, one of my favorite person that I'm not sure how I'm going to make canon. I don't think I can. I think they need to like live in the world book. No, He's- Eric. Wyvern is going to make it into canon. <laughs> He's going to make Eric. it. It's canon, not canton. Come oh, on. God. Oh, there it is. Shit, put that shit on Tumblr. Put it on a pillow. Cross-ditch that. <laughs> For those who didn't make it to the live show, we are talking about a character that Eric introduced at our spring live show. Uh, you can still buy the video on demand. Join the partypod.com slash live, by the way. I love Wyvern. I'm going to I'm gonna have to figure something out. But no, he, he Wyvern is, is one-shot canon. Someone who I want to exist just in the world book so that other people play with it is Jaw Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Jaw Justice is a character who I created with uh, Doctor. Dr. Moya McTeer. Dr. Moya. Dr. Moya. PhD, DDS. <laughs> <laughs> she is not a dentist. She's not a dentist. Um, Jaw Justice is a bioengineering student doing their grad work at uh, Morrow University who used the power of the one-up mushrooms and put it into a battery and then uh, beats creeps up in the college park as the fucking anglerfish. Yeah. And so they have like a HUD, like Iron Man, kind of like Jarvis was, but also they have goddamn incredible Jaws as well. And I love Jaw Justice uh, so much. I also love her outfit. She's so strong. And also, like, I am going to put on my gym clothes while I go beat up creeps. Exactly. Very much so. And finally, it's been an action-packed two weeks. Eric, I hope you t- took a nap uh, I'm because so tired. you also did a, a punch bowl and a one-shot with the three black halflings, which I loved. Oh, wow. oh my goodness, their energy is super infectious from the punch bowl interview and an all-villain one-shot. I'd love to hear all about how that planning went. Yeah, I said, "Hey, we're gonna do a superhero one-shot set in Lake Town City. Is that cool?" And then when we were doing the punch bowl, they were like, "Hey, we've been talking." We want to be villains. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, all right, fine. And so I I tweaked it a little bit to be about them doing villainy. I I made their, (laughs) just, I don't want to spoil too much, but there is a uh, celebrate a hero day in Lake Town City and the villains are very intent on ruining it for everyone. So, um, hey, they decided to go full murder, murderino on all of this. I did listen to it and was worried you were going to introduce Val, Aggie, and Milo into the situation, and then we were just going to get murdered. <laughs> just murdered. Off feed, even. Not just off screen, but off feed. Off feed. Ouch. Uh- no, it was like um, very much in comic books, Julia. You'll appreciate this. This is like a Deadpool comic. It's like someone decided that all of the all of the people you know and love are going to die at the fate of this brand new character, and that was very much the energy that they were bringing. And then I'm like, okay, I guess you're bringing that. Um, and they killed a lot of people. So you guys should go over to the <laughs> Three Black Halflings feed and check that out. Um, it was so much fun running it with new players, especially people who I didn't know super well. Like I had talked to uh, Jeremy a few times and. and and I'd reached out to, to Jasper and Unati and before, and we did the punch bowl first before we did this one shot. But it was still very much wading into new territory, and it was a lot of fun. Kristen Chapapas on Insta would like to know, did the one shot give you any ideas on a potentially new world character plot hook, whatever, mm. for this campaign? 
Oh, uh, maybe not the stuff that they did. I think that reminding them the villains are can be cartoonishly evil and ridiculous. Jeremy, in particular, was like the god of death. It was very <laughs> so good. Anyways. The Minnesota Midwestern accent was incredible. Exactly. It was like a god of death, like gravel on top of the Midwestern accent. I'm like, oh, what beautiful character work. But like, again, uh, something that I had the the intro that I did in that episode is something that I had always thought about Lake Town City, that the discovery of Diaphragm kind of loosened the bonds of this reality within all worlds. So like ley lines and mythology and weirdness very much comes into Lake Town City more. And that's something that I didn't write out for the first time. I know specifically until I set up that one shot. That in particular is something that I was really excited about, which ju- which definitely justifies the God of Death visiting Milo in that one other, in that, those times before. And I think that that's where some of those powers come together. Ooh, ah. Uh. And uh, finally, on this topic, Hail Helena on Insta would like to know, do you plan on doing more one shots with guests? Because that villain's one shot was epic. Mm. Hmm. Who can say? I wonder. Who I wonder if say? on a bad Tuesday in June, you're going to be like, oh, it's a bad Tuesday. But then you open your podcast app and there's a one shot with the guests. <gasps> Man, I probably I not. that will happen. No, nah, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> That's probably, probably not what's happening. Probably, it sounds like a lot of work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It was so bloody. I was not ready for them to get so bloody. I was like, my characters. I only listened to the Punchbowl. I haven't listened to the one shot yet. I'm excited to listen to uh, it. Please do. It's incredible. <laughs> like, I don't want I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, no, no, no. We're good. We're good. One of my favorite villains makes an appearance in that one. So I, I was Same. happy to see that. Sa- oh, Julia, I know what you're talking about. Same. That moment is fucking incredible. Is fucking <laughs> wild. That's the thing that you're going to love the most. Yeah. And to close, we have some uh, DMing and D&D questions before the Spoily Corner, which is back. We have a few Spoily Corner questions that are not, like, immediately answered. So to begin, uh, Benji emailed and is semi-new to DMing, about to start a new campaign with my mother, who's an old season player, and my nine-year-old daughter, who's new to D&D. And his girlfriend. Multi-generational play. I loved this three-generation D&D game. I just loved it so much. Okay. And Benji asks, it's a semi-modern world uh, with kind of magic, sort of like the Dresden Files, the Iron Druid books. I'm having trouble with world building and trying to get some kind of outline or idea, but I'm not sure about the best tools or technique to do it. Any advice? Is 3G D&D something? Is that anything? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I'm into that. Nice. I'm into that. Yeah. I um I think listen to uh to our world building episodes again, and I really liked using Avery Adler's A Quiet Year to help start world building and make everybody feel quite invested in the world that you're about to play in. Yeah, I agree with Amanda in that it is important for your players to feel invested in your world. So playing something collaborative in order to create your world is super important. Also, I feel like this is a thing that newer DMs kind of get slammed for, which is they shouldn't, but you can steal from any kind of media you want in your D&D game. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say the same exact thing, Julia, especially when you have a little kid involved, like just figure out what they like and what your uh, partner and mom like and then just like surprise them. I think it's fun when when Eric is like, I don't even know, you know, whatever we all like. And it's like, surprise, we're playing this game today. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that's true. This is when uh, 
putting in the wellness movement into our Dungeons and Dragons game is explicitly yeah. so that Brandon can punch it. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or even setting your game like in the town that you live, you know, and, and it's like a different, a slightly different version or a version with magic. I think as a kid, that would be super fun to me to sort of imagine like, wow, you know, like there's a library, but in D&D last week, you know, we, we, you know, punch some ghouls out of the library. Heck yeah. I hate it when there are ghouls in my library. Oh no. no. Get those ghouls out. If there was a library setting, you could like jump from book to book. So you could like do like, you know, Alice in Wonderland uh, session and then like a, you know, I don't know. I was going to say Great Gatsby session, but that would be very <laughs> What fun. else do kids like? Not for a nine-year-old, Brandon. Not for a nine-year-old. <laughs> I will say the world-building games that are out there are very self-contained. So a lot of every world-building game is about something different. The Quiet Year is about rebuilding after an apocalypse, and then immediately it's going to get wiped out after a year. So, like, it's very much about that ephemera. So, like, honestly, though, you could just, like, collect some world-building questions. Everything about D&D is stealing from thing writers' resources. So, like, you guys could just, like, have a conversation or, like, answer a bunch of questions. Like, answer 20 questions, because honestly, that's what RPG World Builder is. And also, yeah, definitely steal from the Dresden Files. Just straight up steal from Perfect. It. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, you could also listen to the great podcast Exolore to get some ideas. Yeah. There oh, you go. From, from Dr. Moya McTeer Dr. DDS. Dr. Moya. But she she's like P-O-D-D. That's her that's her second PhD is oh, in like podcasting. <laughs> and her first one is in dentistry. Dr. Podcasting. <laughs> she's not a dentist. She's a PhD. I just think it's funny to say DDS. She's a P-O-D-D-S. There you go. <laughs> Pod dentist. No, that that's when <laughs> that's when <laughs> your dentist, instead of like having a movie screen like on the ceiling for you to watch, I'm gonna hey, I'm gonna put on cereal. Like have you heard this before? <laughs> hey, I have a podcast. Oh my god, it's on the TV. Oh, I'm just gonna cue it up for you right now. Yeah, and let's go in. <laughs> Sounds like literal hell. <laughs> Juju would like to know how much NPC prep do you guys do? Do you simply write a name and a few notes, or do you come up with more stats and abilities for them? And I think for us players, talking about kind of the first inkling of an idea for your PC uh, would be a fun thing too. Yes, that's interesting. I go uh, occupation or quirk backwards, and then I go from there. I'm like, what would be a fun thing for these people to, for you guys to run into, especially when I need to like populate a world, a, a place with people? I'm like, okay, I need a bank teller. What would be funny if you ran into a bank teller? Uh, if the bank teller doted on you like they were your mom, that would be very fun. <laughs> and then I kind of work backwards from there. This might be different for y'all because I feel like mine are very low stakes. Is like, if you guys don't like an NPC, they disappear. And if you guys very much like them, I'm stuck to my dumb decision that I did <laughs> to make them have the si a silly voice Stone face. the entire time. Stoneface, Sour Anthony, etc. So like, for me, it's kind of like I'm just throwing darts, but it's a lot more high stakes when you're coming up with a PC. Eric, where do they go when they disappear? Is there just a liminal Eric NPC space? Yeah, when you don't look at them, they disappear, Brandon. So you have to interact <laughs> with every, every single NPC or, or they die. That's oh, so no. sad. <laughs> In terms of PC characters, I usually find the like thing that I want to play in for example for Lake Town City, I found like things that I thought would be interesting to play in terms of subclasses and then worked yeah. my way backwards from there, like found the most interesting like class feature or power that they'll get eventually. And then I was like, well, how do I incorporate that into who this person is and then build around that? 
So, which I think is kind of important when you're doing a superhero campaign because, you know, your character is going to be defined by their powers and it is super important that the powers kind of suit the person. Mm-hmm. That's what I totally did too, right? Exactly. That's super important. That's <laughs> Damn the way it, I did Brandon. it. <laughs> it's okay. Just a druid. Just it's okay. A druid. I invented a whole new subclass for Brandon because he's like, what if ghost? <laughs> and you were like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, what if ghost? My process is I have a, th- a thought and then I say, Eric, Eric, help, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> You're joking, but I, honestly, that's a very good idea. I think that going with the thing you actually want to do and then trying to justify it with mechanics is the way to do it, 100%. Yeah, I I have an issue where I tend to think, like, my first thought is always too jokey or too, like, off the wall. So I've learned to, like, sort of, like, all right. Go with the hard facts first. Who is this person? Like, what's their grounded feature? And then as I come up with that person, then like more organic bits and bobbles come up. And so that's, I sort of build from the opposite way that Julia does. Like I build from the inside out. And kind of uh, bridging these two questions of world building and then building characters. For me, the, the main kind of quandary that I had to solve with my character was, you know, they're going to stick around and they're going to need a reason to defend the city. They're going to need a reason to care. And, you know, what sort of like emotional, you know, truth for this character would make her upset her life. And for me, like I had a, a pretty clear idea of like who who Aggie was and what she did. Having the kind of homebrew ability of the superpower is quite is kind of the <laughs> the core of the character. Yeah. But she's also a character who's like pretty settled in her life and pretty okay with how things are. And so for me that was my I like woke up in the middle of the night, you know, a few days before our first session, like, oh no, my character loves stability. This is gonna be bad for the campaign. And so <laughs> I I had to kind of like work that through, but I think I I think I ended in a good place. But it was I think because we did that collaborative world building and because we had so many you know explicit discussions about you know what do we want to get out of this what do we want to feel what do we want the campaign to be about it's going to be anchored in Lake Town City that I was able to sort of think all those things through instead of being you know in session three four or five and being like oh shit this is not the right character for this campaign yeah going off that man I just think it's interesting that we all sort of landed in that same spot of our characters love our city for various reasons you know so we all ended up in the same place you did without necessarily consciously thinking about it yeah, yeah. It makes me think of like the what ifs, like if I had decided to go for that warlock idea that I had where they weren't tied Mm -hmm. to the city at all, but their partner was like, that would have been a really interesting and really weird dynamic. Yeah. I I think about the plumber swarm keeper all the time. (laughs) I know she would have been great. I, I realize that it's pretty much the same thing as Aggie, but as a plumber instead of instead of that, but like. Aggie Man. is a plumber, though. Let's get real. Yeah, like Aggie. That's <laughs> All why supers are pretty much plumbers. That's why everyone's toilet runs in this game. <laughs> it bothers me so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jake joined the party character, is busy doing all his building inspections, so <laughs> he can't do it. Oh, fuck. Uh, I think that this is also something that comes out in play. Like, the fear that Amanda has is because Amanda is Amanda, but also we're recording this. Yeah. But, like, you can figure out what your character actually means to you and what you like to play while it's actually happening. For example, with all these NPCs, we pick up on the things that you guys key in on the most, and then it kind of, like, enlarges that part of their personality. Yes, because we're making jokes, 
obviously. But like, because you guys got so aggressive with Sour Anthony, Sour Anthony then became a more aggressive person. And <laughs> I that's was trying to be thing. his friend, to be clear, but whatever. No, in the, but in the first episode, you guys were totally chill. But then as soon as you guys became competitive, then he became more aggressive. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that is a true thing. It's more like as you get to know someone, what are they actually like? And I think you need to treat that as you do your NPCs and your PCs. So don't don't schedule them and don't detail them to the letter because then they're inflexible. I think that we found this out from John Paul. John Paul in two different ways. One, he loves power, but two, he has zero. And I think <laughs> that we figure that out in different ways depending on what situations as he literally says, well, you said I can do anything I want. So this is my decision. So we're going to do that. That's, like, that's some great life advice too, Eric. You know, it's really, it's really great. Just like, don't be too rigid in your idea of who you think you are, because then you'll be inflexible. Yeah, yeah. man. That's, yeah, it's nice. Uh, Good job. Your environment's gonna have a, an impact on you. You know, man. Exactly. As people respond positively to the parts about that you that you like, you might start to change and uh, reveal yourself in the way that you like. And that's good and dynamic. It makes for a good podcast. You know. Yeah, and your life is a podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> we, we we got in too deep. It's time to pull. It's time to pull over to spoily corner, and then right on out of this we're after pulling party. in. We're pulling into a Circuit City parking lot. Choo choo. And... <laughs> no. Choo choo. No. No. There's, a, tra- there's a train in the Circuit City parking lot. Choo choo. Train. Choo choo. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Hollywood behind the scenes tour of, uh, of Disneyland <laughs> and or Universal, whatever. Don't oh fact check gosh. me. You know what I mean. And uh, we're going behind the set of the Circuit City. Choo choo. Watch out. Here we are. <laughs> Absaw13 oh on Instagram, <laughs> will Carvin survive the Thornhill strike and the absence of coffee? Who can, Who can say? say? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. Lena, Dome of Doom Zone on Discord, how do the players feel about potentially meeting Des's family? And do you think you'll meet Dr. Morrow's family at some point as well? Ooh, Very excited say? about meeting Des's family. Yes. I don't picture Dr. Morrow with a family. I feel no, like she neither. just like came into existence she asexually. came from an egg yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's dr mar also divides asexually <laughs> yeah oh yes 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 there's just a, a smaller oh my god my science references are being pulled in one direction she clones herself like dr farnsworth in futurama <laughs> and now there's just like a younger dr morrow that's around yeah, but yeah, also yeah. she's very doc brown in that way that like who knows where doc brown comes from but he loves hanging out with his high schooler <laughs> we know nothing about him or her exactly <laughs> Uh, I am nervous for Dez. Uh, who knows how that will go? Um, and Mel, 118 on Insta, agrees and says, Dez is dad? Dez what a cliffhanger. Dez is dad. Who can say? Allie, is there a cartridge in the N64 or was there prior to it being smashed? Who, who can, can say? say? Michelle Spurgeon, does Gutenberg's name have any implication to cloning or offspring or copies in general? Oh, I don't know who can say, Eric. Tell me. (laughs) Eric, Eric, hey, hey, Eric. This is a little bit of a clarification corner. I mean, obviously, Gutenberg, printing press, he has some sort of creation powers as it is. Like, that's his thing. Or he has the ability to create things. I just thought that this was really interesting that, like, because he's a villain... Uh, maybe he's doing villainous things, so cloning and, and offering in general. So who can say? Who I, can say? Gr- really interesting question. We we have not learned everything that we need to about Gutenberg. He's still uh, lurking around. And finally, just this is more of a general question. I compile many together. Uh, what the fuck? And where's the next episode? <laughs> who can say? I, I can tell you it's coming out next Tuesday. I do definitely <laughs> say that. 
Uh, but who can say what will happen? Oh, I cannot wait. I well, can, uh, but I won't. <laughs> oh, what? Brandon's coming early. He's been he's been editing it. He knows what happens. <laughs> I am in a loop where I only remember what happens in the podcast when we're doing the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. that's true. <laughs> that's totally fair. the podcast fugue. <laughs> Well, thank you all for joining us for another After Party. Thank you to everybody who came to the show, who checked out Three Black Halflings and listened to the villainous one-shot, uh, who bought the World Book. We're, we're so excited to be able to make this kind of stuff for you and put a ton of time into it. Uh, so we hope you enjoy. Yes, please please tweet at me and join the party with the code word alabaster telling me that you read it and maybe you're using it. I very much want to hear what's happening with the World Book or even just parts you like. Tell me, I spent a lot of time writing this. Yeah. <laughs> I need your yeah. approval. It's very good. And also go by Chad. Go by Chad. He needs Go love. by Chad. Like you don't have to, but if you want to, you got to do it now. That's uh, that's how it is. The last time we talked about the Chad dice were there, we kept telling people to buy Chad, but the the Chad dice were out. So we're telling you to buy Chad because there might not be any more Chad dice. <laughs> like you need to go now. And I think that's all, everybody. Nice. Well, we did it. Oh, my God. This is another end of the after party. This is the part where I take it out so that Amanda can say your line at the end. Go buy Chad Dice. Go buy the world book. Uh, bye. Bye, Later. guys. May your rolls trend ever upward. In the Circuit City parking lot. I really, uh, oh shit, fuck yeah, it's Lauren. Oh yeah. Oh Hello. hell yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Actually, to quote Eric, he said, Brandon, give oh, us the quote, yeah, full shit, quote. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're an olive, looks so good. I, well, I like, this is like uh, when someone's cat is like running around in yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, it's a Lauren sighting. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> this is like, and the train that shows up on Julia's recording. Yeah. <laughs> All the same. <laughs> All the same.